Coming up on the Rami Lavi podcast, it is showtime on Broadway. Patrick Kane is going to be a New York Ranger and making his debut tonight for the Rangers against the Ottawa Senators. All while the New York Knicks have won seven consecutive games. Madison Square Garden is the hottest building, the hottest ticket in the city. And it's all Knicks and Rangers fans who are dying to be in that building and see the run that these two teams have been on. It's going to be a fun few months chasing the playoffs, chasing a Stanley Cup and an NBA championship, or at least a run of winning a round in the NBA playoffs would be a championship for the Knicks. We talk about all that and a whole lot more on the Rami Lavi podcast next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in another 48 hours. Plus, you can exchange unlimited text messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. So I talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything. One of the things that I learned in therapy was that join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Rami. That's my first name. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami La Vie podcast, episode 139, I think it is, this episode. And I'll say this right off the top. I, before I do anything else, I want to say this. I haven't been the model of consistency with this podcast in the last couple of weeks, and I do apologize for that. Obviously, not a lot going on ever since football season ended. You know, finding stuff to talk about is definitely not easy, but that's my job, and that's what I do, and I pride myself on being able to deliver, even when it's not, you know, the most groundbreaking, earth-shattering stuff. Um, I can talk about anything for hours, and that is something that I pride myself on, and the consistency and being hardworking and all that stuff is something that I um, pride myself on, and not being that the last couple weeks has frustrated me, of course, Uh, but there's a good reason for it, and I do want to share that with everyone because that's also part of this. I, When I started this podcast, I think the biggest thing to me was sharing my process, sharing my goal, sharing my journey because I felt that when I started in this industry, there was no path. There's no blueprint and I've been making it up as I go along. And to me, one of the most important things, one of the most like things that I've appreciated the most is watching other people reach out to me and, and being able to help others. Um, and people looking at me as inspiration. And so that's so cool to me, and I appreciate that so much. And I have a big episode. It's going to come out on Friday. 
and there's going to be, or sorry, it's going to come out on Monday next week. Um, and I'm going to talk a lot about my career, talk a lot about what I'm doing, my passion, uh, what I plan on doing with my career over the next um, little bit and what the next step is. I, If you've heard me, I've been on the fan doing traffic updates and on the morning show and doing sports updates, anchoring the sports updates on the fan. And it's super cool that I've been able to advance how as far as I've advanced um, on live radio, on the air, working for the fan, even though it's 105.7 The Fan, it's not WFAN in New York that, you know, that's my dream job, obviously. But the fan in Baltimore, it's been special. It's been so cool. I hear my name. I, I, I still sometimes need to pinch myself and remind myself that it's real. And at the same time, it felt like it's felt like such a natural progression from what I've been doing to continue on this path that at the same time, I also have to remind myself how grateful I am. I have to take a step back and be like, wow, can you imagine if I told myself that I'd be doing sports updates on the fan? If I said to myself only a year and a half, two years ago, that this is what you'd be doing in 18 months, even a year ago, which was when I first started on the fan, I have memories from a year ago when I first started doing the overnights here. I wouldn't believe if you told me that within a year, I'd be doing sports updates and talking on the morning show. My I mean, that's my childhood dream was to be on a morning show, sports talk radio, and it still is my dream. I, I when you know when I woke up those mornings at three thirty in the morning, the alarm goes off. It doesn't feel great, but it's like I'm getting to go do what I love. I'm going to be talking sports talk radio on the fan, and that was my dream as a little kid was to be on a morning sports talk radio show, and I was living it, and I lived it for a few days. And my goal, my only goal in my career, is to continue to chase that high and to continue. So just want to get back there. And one of the things that I want to do is leave a blueprint behind. So um, I've been extremely busy and that's why the podcast hasn't been the model of consistency that I want it to be. But first of all, um, what I've been busy with, my brother got married. So that's fun. Married my um, my neighbor, my parents' neighbor. So uh, that was really fun. So shout out to them. Uh, hope they're doing well. I don't know. But that was really fun. Fun family event, family wedding, lots of family this past weekend, this weekend. And then I was working. Uh, I, I went to sleep, still drinking tequila probably at 10 p.m. on Sunday night and went to sleep at about 12.30 a.m. and then woke up at about 3 a.m. to go to work on the fan, to work the morning show like I talked about. So that was hectic, uh, but definitely worth it. Definitely fun. I'm glad I got to do it. And now, you know, like I said, I've been working on a bunch of different things and I'm going to talk about all of it on next episode. I promise I'll fill you in a lot of fun career stuff coming up, a lot of different things happening. Um, it just so happens to work out and it's not a coincidence that it's all in the weeks after the Super Bowl. And that's why it, it's a good time to not be as, uh, I guess, productive on the podcast side because, um, there's not much going on in the world of sports, but in New York sports, there is a lot going on. In New York sports, there is something huge going on, and it's happening at Madison Square Garden, my favorite building on earth, the place I love the most. I, It's incredible what's been happening the last couple of weeks, development over the last couple of weeks with the two teams that play there, the New York Knicks and the New York Rangers. This is the greatest time to be a fan of those two teams in my lifetime. I don't remember a time that both these teams had this much of a positive outlook at the same time as each other. And so much is happening, and I'm going to get to both of, the, both of it. Let's start with the Knicks. I want to start with the Knicks, start with the NBA, and start with what's going on there. The New York Knicks have won seven consecutive games, and this team is starting to feel special. 
and I said this on a previous episode, I don't remember which episode it was, that this team felt like they were about to go on a run. I said this at the All-Star break, that it felt like they were about to go into the All-Star break and get hot coming out of the All-Star break. It felt like they were finally gelling, they had an identity, they have momentum. And sometimes the All-Star break has a tendency to break up any kind of momentum that a team has. When a team is really hot going into the All-Star break, it's hard to keep that momentum coming out of the break. And the Knicks not only have kept the momentum, they got even better. They've won four consecutive games coming out of the All-Star break, seven overalls, three going in, four coming out. And the average win margin of those games is about 17 points. They're winning each game by average. So they're blowing teams out. They're blowing the doors off these teams. Julius Randle scores 46 in the first game back, and then they have a blowout win at home two games later against the Boston Celtics, the best team supposedly in the East. And it felt like the Knicks had the swagger and they were frustrating the Celtics and they had their number. And I know Jalen Brown wasn't in the game and I know Jason Tatum gets attacked, but that was from the Knicks were were frustrating the Celtics. And what was so impressive about what the Knicks were doing is that they were the Celtics are so good. They rotate so well. They they're such a good defense. They're so good at doubling and rotating. You can't play iso ball against the Celtics, and that's something that the Knicks have struggled with all year long, especially late in games and big spots. It was either Randall or Brunson going iso, and they didn't. The ball movement that the Knicks had in those games was incredible, and it was what led them to victory, and it was what frustrated the Celtics so much that the Knicks were always finding the open man and swinging it to that man. It was almost. It was perfect. It was literally perfect. And the fact that the Knicks have done this three consecutive times now at home, three of the last four games, right? They were home last night against the Nets, where now it just feels like you totally forget that this team went three years without beating the Nets because now they feel like they're in a totally different league. Like the Knicks are just so far and away better than the Nets. And then the game against New Orleans didn't even have any buzz to it because the Knicks just dominated them from start to finish. And then the Boston game, which... The Garden felt like a playoff game. The Garden felt like a huge deal, and it was a big deal to be there. But still, the Knicks pretty much dominated that game start to finish as well. And not only that, but the vibes are immaculate. The team is 7-0, and a lot of stats have been going on and going around saying the the team is 7-0 since the addition of Josh Hart. So Josh Hart comes out and says, what are you talking about? This team has nothing to do with me. The team's success is regardless of me. This team has been incredible for weeks now, but that's exactly the point. He's part of the identity of the team. It's team first. This team has felt so different than the 2020-21 team. This team is actually can be successful. And Josh Hart epitomizes everything they do. He doesn't care about minutes. He doesn't, he's just, he's the human rebound. It's crazy how somehow he always ends up with a rebound. Him tossing out, like he embodies the city. Like him tossing out. Jason Tatum when Jason Tatum got kicked out of that game I mean how awesome was that where he's doing giving him the hook and yelling and screaming like this he is perfect he epitomizes the city that's always what this team wants this team wants or the fan base I should say wants a team that mirrors them and the New York Knicks the garden is now back to a point where it's not tourists every night, and we'll get to the Rangers in a minute, but it's not people who are like, oh, we will come see Madison Square Garden. No, it's people who are coming here to see the Knicks, the true blue blood New York Knicks fans who want to be in the building to experience something special. And the Knicks and the arena has that vibe again, has that energy again. And Josh Hart is the leader of that. His defense, his rebounding, his mentality, the the one man fast breaks, which I love. It's like he, he's going to go to the rim and it doesn't matter. Somehow he gets to the rim one against four. 
Um, just that energy that he brings. Even Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes, the way he played last night where he's knocking down six threes. And he doesn't feel like, oh, woe is me. I lost minutes to, to Josh Hard or any of that stuff. Everyone is playing their role. And it starts and finishes amazingly with Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, from the video when you saw his reaction to being happy, so happy the way he was that Josh Hart was being traded to the Knicks, you realize that Brunson is obviously special. That Brunson is the embodiment of this team and he's the life and soul of this team and he's what put this team back on the map this season is Jalen Brunson's play and the way he's carried himself as a true point guard. He might be the most important player in New York City of the last decade. And I'm, I I mean that seriously. What Jalen Brunson has done for this team, it's not just what he does on the court. And then on the court, it's incredible. This is a guy who, late game situations, last night, take last night for example, he gets hurt in the first period. His knee bangs against Michael Bridges. And it felt like he was going to have to come out of the game. And he's waving off the bench now. Nah, I'm not coming out of the game. I'm not coming out of the game. And then his next couple of plays, he throws a lob to, to Mitchell Robinson that's a little bit off. He had a couple. He had a jumper that was short. He had a floater in the lane that was short. And it was like, uh, he's, he just doesn't look the same. He started off hot. He doesn't look the same. And then I think like a few minutes later, a couple of possessions later, he gets to the rim and he lit, puts a layup up and he comes down hard on the knee, but he makes the layup. And he's like hobbling afterwards, but it was almost like, yeah, I got this. I could still do this. And then he goes for 30 points in the first half. The Knicks put up 81 points and they didn't really let up. I know it's tough when you have an 81, you know, they put up 81 points in the half and you have a huge lead. It's hard not to let up at all, but they barely let up. Like they still kept the ball movement going. Jalen Brunson did all this while having assists, while moving the team around, not strictly ISO ball. At the end of games, I'm not worried that they're just going to get stagnant and get to this ISO with Julius Randle. Like Randle made a few plays last night, in the first half, he had five shots attempted and five assists in the first half, and he still got his. He got 21 points. He had eight rebounds, eight assists. Everything is clicking for this team now. Everything is on a roll. Everything is perfect. You saw even Jalen Brunson going over to Tom Thibodeau at the end of the game. They're up like 30 points, and this was classic Tom Thibodeau. They're up 24, and they called a blocking foul on Jalen Brunson. Up 24 with a few minutes left, maybe five minutes left in the game, and Tom Thibodeau challenged the call. Of course he did. Of course he challenged the call. And it was, it turned out to be, it was a charge. And Jalen Brunson drew the charge as he always does. And then after the game, Tom Thibodeau, or with three minutes left or so, Tom Thibodeau finally takes Brunson out. And Brunson walks over to him to give him a fist bump. And he's like, come on, smile for a second. And they asked Brunson, like, what'd you say to him that got him to smile? He said, stuff that gets him to smile. Just kind of like mysterious about it. And, Brun you know, Tibbs gives him the smile and gives him the fist bump. And... They're like, was he happy that you scored 38 and then 39, whatever it was, the incredible game that he had? And uh, Brunson goes, no, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about my personal stuff. He just cares if we win. And that's perfect. The whole team embodies it. Thibodeau, so much credit to him because he's been willing to change his style, play the young kids, have a different offensive identity than he's had in past years. And he's adjusted himself and adjusted the team's play to the play that they needed to be. And they all talk about starting with the end in mind. And they said that they knew they had a vision at the beginning of the season that if they proved improved every day, one day at a time, they would eventually get to this point. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about what this point is. I talked about the defense. I talked about the rebounding identity. I talked about the toughness. I talked about the ball movement late. And I talked about Jalen Brunson, but Julius Randle. Julius Randle is different than he's ever been. Julius Randle, this is not the same as the year a couple years ago when everything fell on him every I mean look at the team that was around Julius Randle just the starting five the team that was around Julius Randle 
You had Alfred Payton, who's in the G League now. You had Reggie Bullock, who I like, but he's not a true shooter. You had a younger R.J. Barrett. You had Mitchell Robinson, who was hurt, by the way, and ended up being Nerlens Noel in the playoffs. You needed Derrick Rose to play 40 minutes in those playoffs just to get you through those games. Now Derrick Rose isn't even playing at all. And it's fun when they're chanting his name at the end of the game. By the way, Derrick Rose, just a side point on Derrick Rose. They're chanting his name at the end of the games. He gets into the game. He looks noticeably rusty, which is understandable. But he didn't want to buy out. The team didn't want to buy him out. He could have gone to Milwaukee. He could have gone to Miami. He could have gone to any other team and probably played a role and contributed there. But he wants to stay even though he's not playing at all with the Knicks because there's something special there. Fred Katz said he was in the locker room after the game. He said, yes, the vibes are immaculate. The way this team is playing, the the, the chemistry that this team has. And Julius Randle doesn't care about his personal stuff. He's not trying to be the alpha dog and go one-on-one with these guys. Yeah, it happened a little bit against... Washington, but he doesn't care. He he knows that it's not it's not about whose team it is. It's the team. The team mentality is first and it comes before everything. And that's why I'm not worried that we get into a playoff series and all of a sudden Randall's gonna go ISO and freeze up the way he did against Atlanta a couple years ago. I'm not scared of that. Randall's numbers are better this year than they were two years ago. And watching him play, you see a more relaxed, focused team player than ever before the communication on the defensive side that he's had the intensity on the defensive side that he's had with Emmanuel quickly and on the offensive side he's okay with other people doing their thing he understands that it's team first he understands that there's something special happening with this team and the focus isn't on him and Jalen Brunson felt like he was you know he should have been an all-star yes and he clearly he said I don't care it doesn't matter that I'm not an all-star Randall's the team all-star and yet it's Brunson's team that's the craziest part of it and Randall's okay with that he's not like oh I'm the all-star this is me let's 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 make sure I get mine he understands that something special is happening and to him it's all about Jalen and the numbers that he's put up since being snubbed if you look at the numbers that Brunson has put up since quote-unquote being snubbed from the all-star game he's okay with the fact that he's not an all-star because he's like hey look I don't care. I don't need the recognition. I'm going to go out there and prove it. And it feels like he's been on a mission ever since the All-Star break to prove it. And Jalen Brunson was the uh, name today, the Eastern Conference Player of the Month for February. And his month, I mean, what a month he had. He averaged 27.3 points per game in February, six assists per game on 53% shooting from the field. I mean, this guy... 43%, by the way, from three-point percentage and four and a half rebounds per game also. Just the hustle, the heart that this guy has shown. It's unbelievable what this kid is doing for this team. They finally have a player who's taken over, who's like, I got this. At the end of the games, we trust him. When was the last time the Knicks had that? Carmelo Anthony, I guess, but it's a point guard. We trust him not only to get his own, But to see a double team, to make movement, at the end of the game, the ball is moving. It's not stagnant. Guys are cutting off ball. You see how many 16-game players, I always talk about it, you talk about in hockey, the 16-game players. Well, the 16-game players on this team, obviously Josh Hart, he's a huge 16-game player. But Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, those guys are 16-game players. Grimes, always moving off ball, always making that extra cut. You talk so much about needing superstars to win in the NBA. And Ryan Russell did an interesting exercise about this where it's almost like the team depth wins over superstars. Would you call Drew Holiday a true superstar at this point in his career? 
he I think he is. I think he's one of the best in the game. But it's really it's Giannis and then you have Middleton and Holiday who are, you know, the the almost superstars. Look at what you have in Denver. You have Jokic, right? It's just Jokic. But then you have Murray and, and, and Porter who are playing like Aaron Gordon or like these star players who are supporting stars. They're not superstars. They're supporting stars, I guess you call it. In Boston, you definitely have two superstars there, but you also have all that supporting cast. Um, and the Knicks, though, they have the guy who is the superstar. It's not Randall. It's not the all-stars. Jalen Brunson, I think he's the first player to win to win a player of the month without an all-star selection. He's the first player of the month in the NBA to have zero career all-star selections. That's how crazy it is what he's doing. That's how much it, it was a snub that he didn't make the all-star team, but he is the definition of superstar for this team. When you talk about where's the superstar on this team, it's him. And when they signed him, it didn't feel like it was going to be, to be that huge. We knew that we needed a point guard and people talked about overpaying for him and all the different things. He is the guy this team needed. He is the guy this city needed. He is the guy this organization needed. And he's the guy who's going to take the team to the next level. But I said, <laughs> I digress. Let's talk about the pieces around him. Let's talk about some of this. Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes. Those guys, what they do. The three-point shooting. The rebounding. The cutting off the ball. The defense that they play with. The defensive intensity. Did you see what they did to Jason Tatum? They frustrated him. The two of them combined frustrating him all day long if they're on the court at the same time it's unbelievable Emmanuel quickly it's crazy the definition of IQ right his shooting his playmaking he's become the backup point guard and when Brunson's off the floor you trust that there's a guy who's going to have the ball in his hand primarily and he's going to make the right plays the right reads the right decisions on the defensive side you see how much better the Knicks defense is when he's in the game that's why he's part of the closing unit now the closing unit is Josh Hart Emmanuel quickly Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle because Emmanuel quickly is making everything work because he's constantly talking to the teammates and communicating and he's been on some kind of offensive tear himself he might win sixth man of the year he's right there with Malcolm Brogdon and all those guys Mitchell Robinson has been a man possessed averaging a triple double or a double double sorry since he's gotten back with almost two blocks per game as well he's averaging I think 13 points and 13 rebounds since getting back even Obi Toppin and Isaiah Hartenstein, the minutes that they play, they play, you know, 18 minutes a night max, 12 to 18 minutes. It's perfect. And they don't feel like they need to be somewhere else or playing more or doing something else. There is a luxury to having a guy come in for eight minutes in the second quarter and another six minutes in the third quarter and playing effective minutes and giving you value in those spots. Those guys are doing that. They've learned how to use Isaiah Hartenstein. They use Obi Toppin in a way where they can get out and run with him. Derek Rose is proof of the team chemistry, the crowd chanting for him, him not wanting the buyout, him appreciating everything. Tibbs, by the way, like actually giving the fans what they want and putting him in the game for a part of the game. It's incredible. And then the wild card, the wild card in all of this, because every single one of the guys I mentioned have been huge contributors. There's a guy on this team scoring nearly 20 points per game, 19 and a half points per game. And the numbers, the stats look like they're all there. And it's RJ Barrett. So what does what is R.J. Barrett to this team right now? He starts at the three. He doesn't close the games. He plays with the second unit. He comes out. He's the first one out for quickly. And then he comes in with the second unit where he could have the ball in his hands more. He could shoot a little bit more in the second quarter. I think that's his role on this team, and he's okay with that. He plays with the second unit in the second and third quarters, and he starts, and then he doesn't close the games. He's giving a much better effort on defense since Clyde called him out. He's still a decent three-point shooter. He can knock down big shots when you need him. But he's the wild card. If he can take that next step, we've seen him get better every second half of the season since he's come into the league. In second halves, he thrives. 
if he can continue to have games. And Tibbs going to go with the hot hand. He always does go with the hot hand. That's something Tibbs has done this year that also he's not stubborn. He's not sticking with one unit. There are so many role players who do so many different things that if RJ is the one contributing one night, he'll get the minutes over Grimes and over Hart and over Quickly. Whoever's contributing that night will be the guy to close out the game. And so with RJ Barrett, it's a wild card where if he can take that next step and become the player that everyone thinks he can become, that adds a whole nother dynamic to this team. Then you have the big three of Brunson, Randall, and Barrett with all those role players. And look, this is not a numbers thing with Barrett. It's purely him being confident shooting, him getting to the rim, him not holding the ball too much, him not dribbling into double teams, him making the right plays. And it looks like he's starting to get there a little bit. He's starting to get to that spot. But even if he's not always there, there's a different hero every night. And we don't need him to do that every night. We need him, like I said, if he plays with that second unit in the second and third quarter, those 18 minutes are huge. And then we have another few minutes of him in the fourth and the first, him starting the game, knock down a couple big shots early, get some confidence going early, run the floor with the second unit. This kid can be really talented and can add a ton, especially on the defensive end. If you're going in a series against Boston where you're going to have to play Tatum and Brown, and one of you, he's going to have to guard one of those guys. Grimes can only guard one of them. Quickly can only guard one of them. Hart can only guard one of them. So there's going to be points in the game where Barrett's going to be tasked with doing that. And it feels like he's in a good place, and it's because of the vibes on the team and because of how it feels like literally a team. That was one of the things we always talked about, my father and I, about the 2020-21 Knicks, was the team. There's a team here. that It feels like a team. And now this feels even more like a team because there's so many more contributors. I would take Quentin Grimes over Reggie Bullock. I just would. Alfred Payton versus Jalen Brunson, that's not even a question. But the closing unit, even Alec Burks, who I loved. I love Alec Burks. The combination of Quickly and Hart is contributing more than what Alex Burks contributed to that team. If Mitchell Robinson can stay healthy and play at this level, are you kidding me? And Julius Randle, this is a better version. I said it, yes, than the most improved player in the NBA. He was an all-pro or all-NBA team. He was on, what, the second or third all-NBA team in 2020-21. And this is a better version of that Julius Randle. That's how special this team has been. I, I mean... I can't rave enough about it, and, I, and I'm so excited. I can't wait to go to the playoff games at the Garden. Now, speaking of the playoffs, how far can the Knicks go in the playoffs? And speaking of the Garden, there's an interesting storyline developing about the Knicks potentially making the fourth seed and overtaking the Cavs. I think they're only a game and a half or two games back of the Cavs now for the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. And they're likely going to play the Cavs in the first round. And a lot has been made of the splits for the Cavaliers who are 39 and 26 overall. 26 of those 39 wins have come at home, 26 and 7, which is a 78% winning percentage. Versus on the road, they're 13 and 19, which is a 40% winning percentage. And the Knicks, you'd think, would want to get home court advantage for that series. Get the four seed like they were back a couple years ago. But I'll tell you this about this New York Knicks team. A few things. Number one. Just like back in 2020 and 21, when they were the four seed, all of a sudden it felt like, oh, this team is here. They got the attention and they didn't feel like the underdog anymore after that nine game winning streak at the end of the year that we always refer back to. Jalen Brunson, you see what kind of identity this team has as an underdog. Brunson, after getting snubbed, turned to a different level. I almost feel like this team needs to be an underdog. They need to have the five seed and not the four seed. And I say that especially against the Cavs. Why? The Cavs are terrible on the road. 
I don't want Donovan Mitchell coming into New York, coming into Madison Square Garden in the game one of a series, feeling like the underdog and doing what Trey Young did a couple years ago and shutting everyone up and going off 70 points in a game. He's still the best player in that series as much as I love Jalen Brunson. Donovan Mitchell's still probably the best player in that series. I don't want that to happen. And I, I trust this Knicks team. I like this Knicks team a lot. But I think if you put the Knicks, you send them to Cleveland and they have a chip on their shoulder and they're the underdogs. You're telling me they can't go into Cleveland and get a split and then come home with all the confidence in the world for two games? I think that's exactly what you want. I think that way you could beat Cleveland in six, make the last game, game six, be at home at Madison Square Garden, figure out a way to get one win in the first three Cleveland games. Maybe that first one, win game one in Cleveland, come home tied 1-1, win two at the Garden, and then win the third at the Garden, win all three games at the Garden. I trust the Knicks to do that. I think this Knicks team is really good, and I think they're capable of doing that. And then I started looking once I started dreaming. Because I'm like, well, now they're out of the right. They're out of the Eastern Conference. They're out of they're out of the first round. If they even if they do get the four seed and have to win some games at home, they're out of the first round. They're into the second round. Okay, who do we got in the second round? It would be Philly, Milwaukee, Boston. Those are the teams that scare you in the Eastern Conference. I think the Knicks can take Boston. They for some reason they've had their number. I think they could take Boston to seven games. And Philly, I'm not scared of. Joel Embiid to me is not a playoff type player. He's choked in the playoffs every year. He's probably going to be hurt at that point anyway. James Harden, the same thing. Do we trust him in the playoffs? Embiid's all of a sudden going to get scared and start playing ISO by himself and having starting to chuck up deep threes and deep twos. That's not what you want. You don't think that Doc Rivers, Glenn, is going to screw it up somehow? I think he will. I'm not scared of Philly. I think the Knicks could definitely make it a six or seven game series if not win it. Boston... There's something there. They're probably the best team in the Eastern Conference. And yet there's something there. The Knicks feel like they have their number a little bit. They're in their heads a little bit. That would be fun. And then Milwaukee. Milwaukee has the best player probably in the world today in Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's the one team maybe the Knicks can push it to six. You're telling me they get to a second round and they push it to six against Milwaukee? To me, that would be incredible. Now, the ideal scenario, this is my dream scenario. The Knicks get the five seed and beat the Cavs in round one. The Nets somehow hold on and find their identity. There's a lot of good talent on the Nets. Somebody said, oh, look at the Nets. They stink right now. They don't have every, anyone. They have a couple of good players. I think the Nets are in a better situation than they were pre-Kyrie and KD. I don't think that's arguable. All these first-round picks are assets that could be traded later on. You don't look at them as, what draft? oh, well, the picks aren't going to be good picks because they're coming from Dallas, who's going to be good, and they're coming from Phoenix, who's going to be good. No, you don't look at it like that. You look at it as the assets that you can trade in the future to get a superstar here. But Bridges, Dinwiddie, I think they need to find a way to gel. And once they gel together, they're a very discombobulated team. That's what they looked like last night against the Knicks. That's what they've looked like the last few games. But I think there's a lot of talent on the Nets team. If they can somehow figure out a way to hold on and get the number six seed, I like them in a series against Philly. I like them to be like, ha ha, look at you guys, Philly. And Philly to choke that series away. And then so if they're the sixth seed, they'll end up playing Milwaukee, who's the one seed. And if the seventh seed, a lot of ifs, a lot going on. If the seventh seed is Miami and they have to play the first round series against Boston, I don't trust that Miami will beat Boston. But I know they're going to wear them out and take them to seven games. I know that Boston's going to come to that series hurt and beat up against the Knicks in round two. Tell me the Knicks can't beat a beat up Boston team in the second round. In seven games, at least take them to seven games. And you have a game seven with all the pressure on 
Boston at the Boston Garden, that Knicks team, the way they've played against Boston the last couple times, and then you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, I know that's insanity, and I'm just dreaming, but allow me to dream a little bit. This is the first time I've been able to dream about both these teams, the Knicks and the Rangers. Jalen Brunson wearing a Patrick Kane jersey into Madison Square Garden before going off for 30 points in the first half. Are you kidding me? We'll get to the Rangers in a minute, but I want to talk about the NBA. I want to talk about a couple of points in the NBA. First of all, I mentioned RJ Barrett, 19.5 points per game. When people talk about the scoring in the league, I talk about this all the time. We have to look at scoring differently than we've looked at in the past. You just have to. 10 years ago, not that long ago, 10 years ago, the number of guys scoring over 19.5 points per game in a season was 11. There were 11 guys in the league 10 years ago, 2013, who had more than 19.5, essentially 20 point per game scorers in the league. This year, there's 46 of them, including RJ Barrett. 46 guys. My point is that scoring is totally different in the NBA today. It's an entire different way of looking at things. And we have to adjust to that. By the way, I will talk at some point about the Knicks and what what this means for the future, where they go from here. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm enjoying the right now. I'm enjoying the here and now. I'm enjoying this team. Are they a superstar away? Is that all that? Yeah, all that stuff. True. But I don't care. In other NBA news, LeBron James is hurt. He's out again. And of course, the story gets leaked like... He was really playing through this injury for a long time. He's had this injury for a while. It's just we haven't been talking about it. Really, LeBron, you need that story? He's so afraid of what people are saying about him and what people are talking about. It's it's mind-boggling to me. Kawhi Leonard looks like Kawhi Leonard again. So if you look at the West, it's crazy how all the teams are so bunched up and then there's a five-team gap between the number one and number two seed, the number one seed obviously being Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. And the Jokic, I've never seen such like visceral attacks at a guy who's so incredibly good like there have been this year against Nikola Jokic. The Jokic fatigue is different than I've ever seen it before. People who are comparing Jokic's double-doubles to chat, stat chasing and saying that, oh, it's a white player and that's why people... I saw that take from Kendrick Perkins. That's wild. People talking about Nikola Jokic as stat chasing and his triple-doubles being similar to Russell Westbrook. People citing stats to say that Jokic is not the MVP for the third consecutive year in the league. I'm sorry, you don't watch basketball. You just don't watch the Nuggets play. You could just say that. Just tell everyone you don't watch the Nuggets play. Because Nikola Jokic is the definition of MVP. You put him on any team and they probably become a playoff team and one of the best teams in the league because of everything he does. Somebody asked, what is the number one virtue that you would give Nikola Jokic? And he said, patience because even when the moment is huge at the end of games you see him walking down at the end of games and he's just dissecting everything right we had the doctor dr julius irving he's like that he's a doctor he's dissecting every little thing and he's going to pick you apart and so when you saw him play against the clippers it felt like a playoff game that game but at the end of the game yeah Kawhi's great paul george is great but you have Jokic on the other side alone you can't double him. He'll bully you into the lane, draw a foul, knock down his free throws. He'll hit a three if he has to. Or if you try and double him, he's going to kick it out. He's going to find the open man. And the guys around him have been making enough shots and been doing enough. Yet another guy like Reggie Jackson, who's a playoff-type player to that team, 16-game player like I like to talk about, that team, I don't know who's stopping them in the Western Conference, but the Western Conference playoffs are going to be fun. You have the heel in the Memphis Grizzlies who have become one of the most hated teams in the league. 
if you get Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steph Curry back healthy, big if, but who knows? If LeBron and AD can find a way to sneak in, if LeBron can get healthy, it's a fun playoffs out West. And obviously Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. And what makes Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns so special, and it's similar to what kind of Jalen Brunson, and I want to bring it back to the Knicks for a second, because you saw the first game Durant had, what, 27 points in 24 minutes, or that might be flipped. But Booker went off. Chris Paul doesn't even have to score that much. What's interesting about the NBA is that the NBA has over-adjusted to the three-pointer, where you're going to run out on shooters, make them step inside the paint, and just hope that you're going to have the second line of defense there. People will rotate. You have your big man at the rim. So you don't give up layups and you don't give up threes. But the teams that can shoot the mid-range jumper off the dribble, because there's so few players who can do it now because it's not a thing anymore, DeMar DeRozan's the best at it, but Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, all of them, that's what they do. And it's an effective way to dissect teams and get an easy bucket. When teams when things start to get stagnant, it's an easy way to get a bucket. The Knicks do the same thing. Julius Randle, mid-range jumpers off the dribble. Jalen Brunson has been the best, the master of mid-range jumpers off the dribble. Even Quentin Grimes started doing that recently, where he'll he'll pump fake and drive in, take a couple dribbles, and knock down mid-range jumpers off the dribble. It's truly, truly impressive what this team has been able to do. And to me, like I said, once you get to the Western Conference and you look at, that's the only team that could beat Denver is Phoenix. But that's going to be a fun if you have the Clippers, Phoenix, Denver, even the Lakers, but also the Warriors and Memphis. We even talk about Zion if he comes back and what that does for New Orleans or the Kings and how hot they've been. It's going to be a fun NBA playoffs. It's going to be really fun for the league. In the Eastern Conference, you have the three teams at the top. I think it's two and then one, right? I think it's Milwaukee and Boston and then everyone else. But even Miami can get sneaky hot. If Brooklyn can figure out this new roster and how they fit together to have 20 games to figure it out, the Knicks, sneaky good Knicks, Cleveland and Philly, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun playoffs in the NBA. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to there being games at Madison Square Garden that matter, that have the energy even more, right? 2020, 21, we didn't have the building at full capacity. Even in the playoffs when it was almost full capacity, it wasn't the same. Madison Square Garden is finally back, and it's not only because of the NBA, it's because of the NHL. The New York Rangers are going for it. Let's take it back, uh, I don't know, go back to the playoffs last year. The Rangers were essentially playing with with house money. It was my favorite Rangers season of my life, I think, last year, compared to the 2015 team that lost to Tampa also in the conference finals. That was obviously, they won the President's Cup, um, and it felt like, That team needed to win because they were coming off of making the Stanley Cup final and losing. This team last year was just so much fun. Improbable wins. Wasn't expected to be that great. Maybe a first-round exit in the playoffs. would We'd be happy with that. But then Chris Kreider, my favorite player, has a career year. The the Ryans, Ryan Strom and Ryan Reeves, the, the chemistry that they had, everything that this team had was so much fun. But you get to the playoffs, you're down 3-1 to Pittsburgh, and it's like, all right, it's over. But you have that comeback. Artemi Panarin scores the goal. The way everything went, Igor turns back into Igor. You beat the team that was kind of like your nemesis in the Canes. You go in a game seven and beat the Canes. After that's for sure house money, right? But then something changed. I always talk about expectations change. The way you look at things change. You go up 2-0, and you're up 2-0 against... The Lightning in game three. And almost it felt like at that moment, 
oh my God, we're going to actually go to the Stanley Cup final. I just spoke about this with a friend today who's a big Ranger fan, Nick Drecchio. We were both talking about how it feels like this team is actually going to the Stanley Cup final. In that moment when they're up 2 nothing and they're up 2-0 in the series already, it's like, this is happening. This is crazy. Everything until then was icing. Everything until then was free money, house money, whatever you want to call it. But all of a sudden, something flipped, something changed. And then they lose that game. They blow that game the way they did and then blow the series. They don't win another game in the playoffs. And you felt everything change in that moment. And then you come into this season and it's like, well, the Rangers, it's only natural they're going to take a step back. Kreider's not going to do that again. This team's not going to have the crazy year. There's no chance they're going to have another Vesno award-winning season from Igor Shosturkin. You don't have Andrew Kopp. You don't have Frank Vetrano. You don't have Tyler Mott. All those different pieces that you played, that you added to the team, Braun, that you added to the team last year are just gone. And it felt like that. That's how the the season started. The season started like, it's just going to be a step back. It's going to be a little retooling. Hopefully hopefully the kids take another step. And then over the last few weeks, the the Rangers, I should say, were plus money like just a couple months ago to make the playoffs. They weren't even going to make the playoffs. And think about it. The Eastern Conference is stacked with what New Jersey's been able to do this year. Boston. Tampa, Toronto, Pittsburgh. These teams are incredible. And it just felt like naturally the Rangers would be the odd man out. I didn't even mention the Canes. And then you start to hear rumors. The Rangers are going for it. They want to go get Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane wants to be a Ranger. And all of a sudden you start to dream again. One of the best players in the league. Yeah, he's a little bit older, but one of the best players, most dynamic. A guy who's won three Stanley Cups. A guy who played on the same line as Artemi Panarin. And you get excited again. They traded away Ryan Reeves. At that point, it felt like this team is falling apart. You remember Jacob Truba throwing his helmet the way he did? It was frustrating. This season was frustrating. And it was like, we need someone to come here and quote-unquote save this team. And it was going to be that guy. And then you start to hear about his health and different issues. And all of a sudden, it feels less and less realistic and less and less likely that's going to happen. But they get Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikola, and you're like, okay, we have a guy. We have a guy to play on the third defensive pairing with Brandon Schneider. We have Vladimir Tarasenko, another guy who won a Stanley Cup in St. Louis, a guy who we can trust, who can come play on the line, play on our top line. That's someone they were missing, right? They were putting VZ on the top line. They were really missing someone next to Trocek, right, to play with Panarin. So it's like, okay, we're starting to figure it out. The kid line all of a sudden comes alive. I felt like the kid line turned the season around as much as Jacob Truba did. The kid line did that. Adam Fox is having another Norris caliber season. Igor's still not perfect. And then it just kind of, they get Tarasenko and it feels exciting again. And then they lose four consecutive games the way they lost them. But the whole time while that's happening, there's something mysterious going on behind the scenes. Guys are getting benched. Guys are getting scratched from the lineup. Brandon Schneider gets sent down and it's like, uh uh-oh, the Rangers still want Patrick Kane. And you felt it. And Patrick Kane comes out and says, I was kind of disappointed they traded for Tarasenko. I wanted to go there. And then he says, that's the only team I'm going to go there to. I'm I'm only going to waive my no trade clause to go to New York. And now it feels like it matters. They get Patrick Kane. They get the deal done. The way it felt like it was going, where it's like, okay, they're going to get Kane. Now it seems like it's realistic. And all these things happening behind the scenes are because they're going to get Patrick Kane. And then it actually happens. And then not only that, but you win two consecutive games in comeback fashion. And the second one, Vladimir Tarasenko gets an assist on the first goal. He takes the shot that gets tipped in for Chris Kreider to have the game-tying goal. And then he gets the game-winner in overtime, almost like, I'm still here, and we have him. And now your top line is Tarasenko, 
Zibanejad and Kreider, your second line finally feels whole. We never had that guy to play on the line with Strom and Panarin. Now it's Trocek in Strom's place, who's a better player. And now you have Patrick Kane reunite those two players, those two guys on opposite on the opposite side, Panarin and Patrick Kane on the opposite sides of ter- of Trocek in the middle. This team is set. And then the third line is the kid line. Oh, and they also went out and got Mott and brought him back because he was such an important part of this team. And your third line is VZ, who's your fourth line, I should say, is VZ, who's had an unreal comeback season for the Rangers. In his return to a Rangers uniform, you have VZ. You have Barclay Goodrow, who's a 16-game player in the middle. And then you have Ma on the other side of that, like that line, you're going to be rolling four lines in the playoffs like that as long as, oh my God, as long as Turk doesn't touch anything. We talked about how it was house money and this year could have been a regression. Now it's championship or bust. They need to go to the Stanley Cup finals this year. They're going for it. They traded everything. They got the deal done. They have a team that's as good as anyone else in the league. The problem, the Eastern Conference is loaded. The six best teams in the NHL right now are in the Eastern Conference. But what do we have? We have Igor. None of those other teams do. Do I think if they played Tampa again, they'd beat them? Yeah, I do. Boston terrifies me. More than any other team, Boston terrifies me. But how many times do we see this in the NHL where the team that wins the President's Trophy doesn't do so well in the playoffs, right? The team that was dominant all regular season long. And I know that Boston is more dominant than any of those other teams were. And they got a guy in Dmitry Orlov, also the definition of 16-game player. But we have two guys who have won cups before. One of them, Patrick Kane, won three of them. The vibe at Madison Square Garden, it's like $300 a ticket just to get in the building at Madison Square Garden for tonight. The vibes in the building are going to be so perfect. Like I said, Jalen Brunson walking into Madison Square Garden wearing a Patrick Kane jersey last night. The Knicks, or sorry, the Rangers, basically selling out the center, uh, whatever it's called, the Xfinity Center, or whatever it's called in Philadelphia, basically selling out Wells Fargo or Arena is what it's called, right? In Philadelphia and beating the Flyers the way they did and the entire crowd being Rangers fans going berserk. I saw one of the Flyers fans posted that like, this is crazy. I couldn't get tickets to the game. I couldn't get into Philly. It's an hour and a half drive and it's always much cheaper to see them in Philly than it is to see them in New York. And I couldn't get in because of how many people, how many people came down from New York, how many Rangers fans came down to see the New York Rangers in that game. It was wild. And tonight's going to be a special night at Madison Square Garden and I can't wait. I cannot wait to see Patrick Kane and to see what this team does. I am as excited about the rest of this Ranger season and the rest of this Knicks season as I have been about these two teams. And it's 20 games for the Rangers to figure out what works and gel together for these teams and figure out what what's good going into the playoffs. There's obviously, there's still stuff hanging over this team. Contre Miller spitting. He gets suspended for three games. He's going to serve the second game of the suspension tonight. There's a lot going on. They have to bring up Schneider again. And they didn't let, allow them to make an exception. They, the league did not allow them to make an exception to bring up Schneider for this game. There's still so many things that have to be figured out. They're not playing good defense. Igor is not at his best right now. But I trust that over the next 20 games, they'll work this out. They'll figure out a way to make this special. And boy, I cannot wait to be up there in New York with these two teams. The the, the Just the city is going to be on fire. <laughs> with the way the Knicks are playing, the way the Rangers are playing, that building is going to be packed with pure fans every single night. No tourists, no people who are just see, there to see the building, no road team players coming to see them. None of that. It's going to be strictly New York Nick and New York Ranger fans vibing for the city. And it's like they're a team, they're one team together, the way they're playing off each other almost. Brunson wearing the Kane jersey, that was the definition of it. I, I am so excited. I'm beyond excited. All right, I did want to make one last football point. Um, the combine is this week. The Jets had a second conversation with Derek Carr at the Combine. And 
the thing that's interesting about this is that Derek Carr um, knows, as well as the Jets know, that we are not, you're not our first choice. And it's an interesting dynamic where it's like, we're going to keep talking to you. We're going to keep putting, having these conversations and hoping that we can eventually get to you. But Aaron Rodgers is choice number one. And I'm at the point right now, and I just want to put this out there so it's out there. I'm at the point I don't think Aaron Rodgers is coming to the Jets. It's my dream. I love Aaron Rodgers. I hope he comes here. But do I think it's happening? No. Trust me, he's still the number one option. I still want him. But I'm tired of playing these games. He's doing this. He's trolling Jet fans. And it's fine. He's trolling the whole NFL. He needs the attention. I think he's going to go back to Green Bay now. I flip back and forth every day, but this is what I'm putting out there. He's not going to end up with the Jets. Maybe he'll go to Miami. Again, another slap in the face to the Jets. Although I think Lamar Jackson is, is realistic for Miami. And how how dysfunctional and messed up is that organization? The Baltimore Ravens right now have Rashad Bateman coming out after their general manager, Eric DaCosta, calls out their wide receivers and says, we keep swinging and missing on these wide receivers. And then Bateman, their number one receiver, comes out and says, well, no, you just aren't putting us in good positions. I don't know how you keep blaming us and Lamar. And he deletes the tweet. But before he deletes the tweet, um, former first-round pick also for the Baltimore Ravens, Hollywood Brown, who's since been traded, says, yeah, this team just doesn't know what to do with their free agents, with their wide receivers. And Hollywood Brown's not a great example because it's not like he went on and had a great season in Arizona. But when was the last time the Ravens felt like they had this dysfunction in the organization and surrounding the organization? It feels different than it's ever felt before. And so Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, is gone too. So whether it's Atlanta or Carolina, it could be one of those. But it could also be the Jets. It could also be the Miami Dolphins. Look, I think the Jets probably end up with Derek Carr, if I had to guess, or maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo if they lose out on both of them. But I'm just not going to overreact to anything right now. It's just hard for me to get excited because this team always lets you down. This team always does the worst possible thing. And so, yes, they're talking to Derek Carr, and maybe that's going to be who it is in the end. I want Aaron Rodgers. I'm dying for Aaron Rodgers. But I've had enough of this stupid stuff, and I'm not putting my hopes on Aaron Rodgers. That's that's the bottom line for the Jets. I hope they figure it out. I hope they do get him. But I, maybe Lamar Jackson also. That would be so incredible if they got Lamar. But... um. I'm right now, like I said, I'm focused on the here and now. I'm focused on the New York Rangers. I'm fo- focused on the New York Knicks and Madison Square Garden and Patrick Kane and Showtime on Broadway tonight. It's going to be awesome. So until next time, I told you it's going to be Monday morning, a little bit of a career recap and update um, on Monday. You will not want to miss that podcast. So until then, please go find my sponsors and do all the good things that you do for them because that supports me. Like and subscribe. Share the podcast with someone you know and love. There's a lot going on in my life, and I'm just I, I'm so blessed that I have this podcast where I can go and talk about it and talk to you guys and have an audience that listens and cares. It's truly a blessing, and I appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, see ya. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high when you take me to your eyes, like I'm standing in the sky. I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, I ain't changed it oh, 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 Always on my
wanna drive down Riverside See the birds flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning, we pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close and the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close, don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air when I land in another city